you're Lucy. And I'm Michelle. Welcome to an episode of Tudoriferous, the biographical podcast that examines lives in the Tudor era. And today, William Stanley, the other half of the diabolical duo. The little brother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Right, well, there are parts of this narrative that don't quite ring true with what you told told us about Thomas Stanley. Ah, okay. But well, I wrote this before. Hey, hey, I wrote this before hey, hearing hey, Thomas's. Hey, hey, what? <laughs> no. Quiz. Well, I wrote this before hearing Quiz. Thomas's episode. Quiz. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you make me still do it. <laughs> I thought you were disputing that anything you'd said about Thomas Stanley could possibly be open for debate. No, 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 no. Oh, go on then. Quiz. Question one. Okay, this is about Thomas Stanley. Yes. What is the first battle we hear about that Thomas was prominent in? Blorhees? Yes. See, I make mine easy. <laughs> well, same with William. So <laughs> Thomas got to play at being king in what area he held? The Welsh marches? Nope. Oh, being king. Lancashire? No. The Isle of Man. Oh, you're the Lord of Man. Of course he was. Yeah, yeah. Question three in this game of torture. <laughs> with what country did Thomas get to play at being 007 with? This is awful because his last few times it's been ages since we did the previous one. <laughs> but this time it was only last week. <laughs> so he was a sp an agent spy, or a spy. Yeah. Agent. Oh, blimey. France? Yes. Oh, that was a lucky one. <laughs> <laughs> right, I have to listen back when it, it hasn't come out yet as far as we're concerned, so I will listen once it has. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Instead of spending his wealth in Batim on religious buildings, what did Thomas focus on? Uh, useful stuff like bridges. Yes, infrastructure. Oh. Yeah. Things that actually people could use and it would be helpful to their lives. I am probably going to get letters about that comment. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Not that churches aren't very useful. Yes, they are, but if you've got to get from A to B, that church isn't going to help you cross the river that you can't no. swim across. <laughs> no, not unless you can walk on water. <laughs> and last one. What did Thomas risk at the Battle of Bosworth? Um, well, well, his son was... Yes. Un oh, it's his son. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the execution of his favorite son. Yes. Yes. Well done. Four out of five. Three out of five. Three out of five. I got two wrong. No, you didn't. Yeah. Did you? Oh. Yes. No, you just got the Isle of Man one. Isle of Man and another one. No, you got the other ones. France, Did I? infrastructure, execution of his son, and oh, Bloor Heath. Okay. You're four oh. out of five. Oh, that's better than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> just seemed to be going horribly wrong. <laughs> It's funny how when you're being recorded, one mistake sounds like, oh, my gosh. Yes. But yes. 
No, you're good. And now you're free to move on. To Thank you. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, as I was saying before, I'm so rudely interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the you said some things about Thomas Stanley that was different from what I read from William's um, standpoint. Okay. So I, I decided to leave it as it is, and I thought we can thrash out any discrepancies about what I read about William and what you read about Thomas. Yes, because we did have to use different documentation. Yes, and yeah, well, that's the next thing. This won't be as long as Thomas's episodes because you found a 300-page dissertation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on top of everything that was in the court rolls for him and the Lancashire and Cheshire um, records were fantastic mm. for him. Right, I didn't find so much for, for William. I had to cobble together his story from sort of general Tudor history and books about Henry and books about Bosworth and books about Perkin. And... Okay. And most of these focus on specific moments of William's life. So this won't be a, a comprehensive biography, since for much of his life, no one thought it was worthwhile to record what he was up to. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> but he's got pe peaks, peaks and troughs in his life, okay. like most people. <laughs> so, come with me, if you will, to a religious house on the River Severn. The Queen waits for news. How has the battle fared? She'd wanted to postpone the battle until she had more troops, but her hand had been forced. She can do nothing but sit with her ladies and wait. Suddenly the door flies open, and a bluff-bearded man strides in. You the Queen, he bellows. You're coming with me. You've lost the battle, and by the way, your son's dead. Get over it. <gasps> and with that, he grabs the Queen and hustles her out of the room. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Was that William? That was William. <laughs> Did he actually say, you the Queen? No, I was. He did, I don't think he said get over it either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I was putting words into his mouth, but um, as we'll see later, it's it's the gist. Okay. <laughs> William Stanley was born around fourteen thirty-five. He was the second son of Thomas Stanley, the first Lord Stanley, and that's important since, as the second son, he wasn't just given an earldom like his brother right. Thomas. Whatever he got, he had to fight for. Yes. Sometimes, literally. The first we see of William Stanley is in, 15, in 1459, when he fought at the Battle of Bloor Heath, alongside Richard Neville, the Earl of Salisbury, against Margaret of Anjou's Lancastrian troops. And she was there on the battlefield, not fighting, but, um, but encouraging. Okay. I don't know in what way, bringing out cakes, I don't know. <laughs> Cheerleader stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes. Give me an L. Give me an A. Give me an N. <laughs> Three, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? <laughs> the Stanleys should have swept in to fight the battle. And Thomas did nothing, and William just sent his troops to fight alongside Salisbury without fully, fully committing himself. Okay. So it's the first example we have of the famous Stanley tactic of wait and see, and then come in on the winning side that we looked at in Thomas's episode. And we can see their tactic of dividing their loyalties, since Thomas would step aside and be what one source described as a time server. <laughs> and William would go in all guns blazing, or Thomas would take one side and William would take the other. Um, and this meant that whatever happened, the Stanleys, as a unit, would always be OK. You've got to wonder, the first time they did it, which brother was saying, if you do not honour this and keep me up if things go wrong? <laughs> they must have trusted each other, mustn't they? Because after this, 
William was attainted. Yes. Uh, by Henry VI, and Thomas wasn't. Yes. Uh, William wasn't arrested, so it's assumed he must have fled ab- abroad, as many did. Yes. But, but as a family, they were all right, and William was able to come back and fight another day. Yes, and I found records of Thomas sending him money to keep him going, mm. so he didn't end up having to beg and borrow. Yeah, and come back hugely in debt. Yes, no debt was accrued. I'm yeah. Really impressive, that part. Yes, when you think about how many brothers turn against each other. Yes. And we've had a lot. <laughs> and we've two discussed. St- stuck together. Yes. And it works. Yes. <laughs> Edmund de la Pole just kept throwing his brother around as a hostage. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> In 1465, William married Joan, the daughter of the first Viscount Beaumont and mother of Francis Lovell. And then, presumably on her death, he married Elizabeth. Now, she'd had two husbands already, a Sir Roger Corbett, don't know anything about him, and more interestingly, John Tiptoff. Really? Uh, Worcester. Yeah. And if you're rummaging around in your brain to work out where we've heard his name before, he was the judge that executed John Devere's dad and brother. Yeah. And then John's brothers were made wards of Of, Mr. Tiptoff. Yes. And then John Devere found himself sitting next to to Tiptoff in um, the inauguration of George Neville as Archbishop. And, uh, oh, and uh, Mr. Tiptoft impaled people. Yes. Lovely. So it's it's hard to get any real grasp of William Stanley's personality, but he's got to be a step up from John Tiptoft. He's got to be. <laughs> Anybody has to be. Someone who doesn't impale people. Which yes. Is, yeah, that's, that's all I ask. Yeah. In April 1471, Edward IV was restored to the throne following the Battle of Barnet. And that was the battle fought in the fog. All of these battles seem to have bizarre weather conditions. Yes. They're either snowstorms <laughs> or something. And it's the one in which the Earl of, Earl of Oxford had to leave the battlefield to get his men who were busy looting. And when they got back, they mistook Oxford stars and Ray's emblem with Edward's son in splendour. So the Lancastrians started fighting their own side. And there were cries of treason. And what had seemed to be a dead cert for the Lancastrians was lost in a complete fiasco. Again, Thomas stood aside to check the lie of the land, but William was one of the first to be at Edward's side, along with 300 men. Because this made a lot of sense, because kings had come and kings had gone. Yes, a lot. So (laughs) so for Thomas to stand back meant that if Edward wouldn't last, he'd be all right. But for William to welcome Edward back with open arms meant that he'd be there to take any of the goodies that were on offer. Yes. So again, they got both sides covered. Yes. And I'm sure William could explain to Edward afterwards, you know, that he wanted to be on your side, really, but we just thought we'd hedge our bets. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be very understanding. Well, you know, it, actually, Edward was very forgiving if you didn't stand against him in the beginning. Hmm. Yeah, that's why we were surprised that he went for John Devere's yes. dad in such a big way. Yes. In May 1471, Margaret of Anjou... Henry VI's wife, landed on the south coast. She heard about the disaster of the Battle of Barnet and was all for going back to France, but her son Edward convinced her to go on. Edward's wife, Anne Neville, who will later marry Rich III, was there too. They marched as far as Tewkesbury, where Edward IV caught up with them. And Margaret had been waiting for Jasper Tudor and his army to meet up with her, but she realised it was too late. He didn't turn up in time, it turned out. (laughs) 
Hang on. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm standing there thinking about Mr. Bean again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Margaret would have to face King Edward in battle without Welsh reinforcements. And it was a disaster for the Lancastrians. And the Lancastrian army fled. Margaret's son Edward was find, found hiding in some woods and he was either killed there and then or executed later. Margaret was found in a house of religion on the other side of the River Severn. And as we said, it was William Stanley who captured her. Yeah. And it was William Stanley who told Margaret about the death of her son. And apparently he did this with, quote, brutal relish, unquote. Uh, so yeah, get over it. Or yeah. this is how your son died. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> Describe it. might even a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> I know they were enemies, but what happened to magnanimity and in victory? Oh, definitely not there. And what did she do to make him that nasty? We don't, I, I couldn't get a feeling for his personality. He might have been like that all the time. Possibly, but then you wouldn't think that he would have been, I don't know, honourable in his dealings with his brother. It... Unless he's like a collie, you know, the, the sort of one. Loyal to one on person him. and one person only? Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I don't know, because I just couldn't, I couldn't get a feeling for him. There right. wasn't enough information about him to get, yes, I thought, what a nice man being loyal to his his brother. And then you come across this and you think, well, that was unnecessary. It was yeah. completely uncalled for, surely. Yeah, especially since you were on her side for a while. Yeah. Unless you always mm. couldn't stand her and you were only doing it because you were with Warwick. And the scheme. That's quite likely. I think she did She did upset quite a lot of people, didn't she? I mean, she was a woman, for goodness sake. What on earth was she doing? <laughs> Whoops. Both, both, <laughs> both Stanleys did very well under Edward. William was made Chamberlain of Chester for life and was given the castle and lordship of Skipton and other lands in Craven. I'm not sure where Craven is. I assume Yorkshire, which had been forfeited by Lord Clifford. Now, this is an important name for this story. Lord Clifford had fallen at the Battle of Towton, the bloodiest battle on English soil. Yes. Fighting for the Lancastrians. The ill feeling brought about by the reallocation of Clifford land to William Stanley may go some way to explain what happens later. And Clifford is a name you may remember from the episode we did on the attempted assassination of Henry. Yes, Henry the Sixth. Henry the Seventh. Ugh. <laughs> Even I know that. We're loyal in Yorkshire. <laughs> under Edward under no uh, under Edward uh, the Fourth. <laughs> sorry. At least they I'll stop getting the names, names wrong. Yeah, I always used to get every single name wrong. William for Edward, Edward for Henry, Henry for Richard. I don't do that so much now. <laughs> under Edward the Fourth, William was made steward of the Prince of Wales household. And this is important because it means that William knew little Edward, who was yes. to become Edward V. And so when Edward and his brother disappeared in the tower, William would have had more than a passing interest in his fate. You would hope, unless that nasty personality we just saw with Margaret pops up for the kids too. I don't know. Perhaps he was a doting pseudo-uncle. I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think so. <laughs> but this doesn't mean, of course, that William would have known Edward's younger brother, Richard, since they resided in different courts, Edward would have been in Edward would Edward Edward would 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 would, would. 
Edward would have been in Ludlow, where the Princes of Wales traditionally lived. And this is important for trying to understand why William should have sided with Perkin, if indeed he did. It isn't that he necessarily knew the Duke of York personally and so recognised Perkin as being the true heir. Okay. So he might have known Edward quite well. But maybe not. But not not, um, Richard so much. Are we sure, though? Because when, when Edward gained the throne, Edward V would have been in the nursery home with the other kids and he still had his own household within that nursery home. So he could have known all of the children. And when Edward IV became king? Yes. When Edward IV became king? He might have known them. I was just saying that it's not necessarily that he knew him. And that's how he knew Perkin was or wasn't who he said he was. It's It's possible that he only knew Edward and wouldn't have recognized Perkin. Right. If he got to see him, in fact, he in, in the in the circumstance in the outcome, he didn't actually go over to meet Perkin. But anyway, more of that anon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On the death of Edward, it did look as if William was definitely in Team Richard III. He didn't get involved in the Duke of Buckingham's rebellion, for one thing, and he was well, well rewarded for his loyalty. He was given Thornbury Castle. And that's that very posh hotel where Jasper Tudor turns the photocopier on it to this very day. <laughs> <laughs> he also got Holt Castle on the River Dee and he was given land in the Welsh Marches. And this, as we saw, meant that the Stanleys owned great swathes of Lancashire and the Welsh Marches, much of the left side of England. And they were second only to the Howards in wealth and influence. Mm. William was obviously busy working for Richard III since he wrote to a friend who had invited him out hunting saying that he was, quote, being so busy with old Dick, I can have no life there unto, unquote. Oh, that does not age well. <laughs> well, I assumed it was quite a, an affectionate term for him. <laughs> but, yeah, so at the moment it seems to be all sweetness and light between William and Richard. Other members of the Stanley family were more blatant in their dislike of Richard. Lord Strange, William's nephew, may have mobilised troops in support of Buckingham. And another nephew, Thomas Savage, had gone over, gone across the channel to be with Henry Tudor. Mm. So we're getting near the famous incident in William Stanley's life, so we can start looking at why he would have betrayed Richard for someone who was effectively a nobody. I mean, who had even heard of Henry, this, Henry Tudor? I don't know. You've got a lot of crows over there. We have got, yeah, there's a, there's a rookery just, just out there. <laughs> <laughs> there's not much I can do about the, do, do them in the editing, I'm afraid. They're just going continuously. Just record it and put it behind the battle. <laughs> well, it's been a very spring-like weather today, and I think all the birds are out and, and happy. Yeah. Uh, well, one one reason why he might have gone against Richard III was that he that William suddenly had less to lose. William's stepson was Edward, Earl of Worcester, son of the lovely Mr. Diptoft, and William and his wife had been given joint guardianship of the estates of young Edward as long as the boy didn't die. Hmm. This was a substantial amount, and it meant that William was able to live the life of nobleman which seemed curious to me because it applied that all his land, other land holdings weren't bringing in enough cash to fund the life of a nobleman. I know the life of a nobleman was very expensive. Yes. 
but they did have a lot of land. Maybe they just weren't as thrifty as Thomas and yeah. his wife. Mm. We do know that a lot of people overspent. Yeah. Unfortunately, at the tender age of 16, the boy did die. And so William lost the money. And around the same time, Richard III announced that William Stanley and Sir John Savage were traitors to the king. Oh. Yeah, that's not what you want to hear, is it? In relation to his son's death? No. Okay. No, this is purely coincidental. It seems to be based on the confession under torture of Lord Strange. Ah, okay. In Thomas's episode. Uh. He was the prisoner of Richard III. Mm -hmm. He admitted to a conspiracy between himself, William, and Sir John Savage. Lord Strange apologised to King Richard and promised that his father would come to Richard's aid. But there seemed to be no mention of William. Huh. And yeah, I wasn't sure. Was it that Richard III thought that Thomas Stanley was salvageable, but William had gone too far? Who knows? Or did he know of the Stanley's tactic of taking opposite sides and assume that that was what was going on? If William's on, on that side, Thomas yes. must be on this side. Except that he kept Thomas prisoner. Hmm. Well, maybe that was it, because... He was a prisoner. He knew that he had he had him. Yes, which means he had William too. Well, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's, a, it's very messy, this bit, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, in a short time, William had lost the means to live like a nobleman and he'd lost the trust of the king. And it was unlikely that Richard III would reinstate William's chance to live like a nobleman in the circumstances. Nope. But maybe somebody else would. Somebody who'd have to show gratitude for any help that William might give him. Yes. So anyway, who's this striding across the beautiful and rugged Welsh countryside with an army of just 5,000 men, 2,000 of whom were French and more were Welsh? So it's it's sort of an English army that's about as English as the one Perkin <laughs> used to invade from Scotland <laughs> and John de la Pole used to invade from Ireland. Yes. But anyway, Henry's on his way. Despite having classed William as a traitor, when it became clear to Richard III that Henry was on his way, Richard granted the Stanley brothers, quote, to have the rule and the leading of all persons appointed to do the king's service, when they be warned against the king's rebels. And if any rebels arrive in these parts, then all the power that they can make ready to assist the said lords and knights, unquote. In other words, if you see Henry Tudor, I give you the right to muster troops against him. Really? You have... You have to be desperate. Well, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, because it's a dangerous move and possibly a desperate one. But did did Richard have any reason to be desperate at this point? From hindsight, we know yes. <laughs> yes. But he mustered a lot of troops. Did he suspect at the time that quite a few of them wouldn't join in? I don't know. I don't know how... Whether he'd... was scraping the bottom of the barrel getting the Stanley brothers... Yeah. To muster troops. But it's dangerous. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting them to muster troops and they could quite easily use those troops against you. Yes. To move into England from Wales, Henry needed to go through Shrewsbury. But Shrewsbury was closed to him. Very, because they put the portcullis down. So, I mean, it's right. made it more clear. But William Stanley had written a letter to the city demanding that they let Henry pass. So if Richard had, was feeling a bit iffy about William, it is with good reason. Yeah. Since the messenger couldn't get into Shrewsbury, he tied the letter to a rock and lobbed it over the wall. <laughs> he, 
must have had a good, strong arm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nobody's on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> if William hadn't enabled Henry to get through Shrewsbury, it would have been much harder for Henry to enter England. So, yeah, a reason to be grateful to William. Yes. Now, Friday the 19th of August, 1485, Henry and his army advanced to Stafford, where it had been arranged that he would meet William. And infuriatingly, we don't know what they said. Of course not. Polydor Virgil didn't let on much. Quote, while he stayed in that district, William Stanley came to him with a few companions, had a brief discussion with him and returned to his soldiers whom he collected. Unquote. Hmm. <laughs> Henry may well have hoped that William would have joined his forces at that point, but he didn't. Maybe he was still keeping his options open because he must have known that Henry's chances were not great. No. I mean, he knew. He must have known how many troops Richard was getting together. Yes. A lot more than 5,000. Yes. Or maybe it was because his nephew, Lord Strange, was still in Richard III's clutches. But Richard can't have been the only one to be concerned about William's intentions. Henry must have been wondering too. Well, since they never out and out said, this is what we're doing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things they must have discussed was that Henry should slow down. There's no proof of that conversation apart from the fact that Henry did slow down. It had taken about a week to travel 150 miles to Shrewsbury, but it took him a further week to travel the 50 miles to Litchfield on good roads. Hmm. This gave Henry's troops a little rest and relaxation time and allowed time to draw in supporters. Right. And it gave William Stanley time to organise Henry's entry into Litchfield with full military honours. Which seemed extraordinary. If he's trying to keep a low profile and not give anything <laughs> away to Richard III, why is he stage managing Henry's entry into Litchfield? Oh, I don't know. And would you trust him? For all you know, that as soon as you walk through that portcullis <laughs> comes down, the rest of your men are out back. <laughs> yes. It's an interesting, interesting dynamic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Nobody trusting anybody else. <laughs> but we've seen it all before, haven't we? Yes. In the Battle of Bosworth itself, William stayed, quote, hindmost at the outsetting. What? I think he was quite far back in, ah. the, in the order, wasn't he? Yes. On the side of a hill. And both Richard and Henry must have been glancing across at him, wondering whose side is he on? Yes, you're off to one side. You're not behind anybody. Yes. Hmm. So, yeah, Richard knew William was a loose cannon and Henry must have been wondering whether all these surreptitious meetings were maybe a setup, and William was about to come crashing down the hill to finish him off. So William was wielding a lot of power by not doing anything at all. Yes. And he may have been staying his hand because Lord Strange was still a prisoner of Richard. When he first heard of his arrest, his, uh, Lord Strange's arrest, William had said, quote, I marvel at our king. He hath my nephew, my brother's heir. A truer knight is not in Christianity. He shall repent for all the power that he can bring. He shall either fight or flee or lose his life. I will make a vow. I shall give him such a breakfast on a day as never a knight gave king, unquote. Hmm. Or did he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. This this seems a dangerous thing to say and to have quoted. Yes. I couldn't find the source of the quote. There were ballads written which gave very pro-Stanley versions of their role in the battle. And I wonder what such a breakfast reference to. Well, I find that interesting. Yeah, it I felt it sounded as if, as if it was written after the event, 
since it trans later transpired that Richard's camp had been in such disarray that Richard had missed out on both mass and breakfast. Ah. And why would William have mentioned breakfast before the story got out? But we've heard that saying before. We have, yes. After I'd written all this, I came across it just the other day. I was reading something completely unconnected with William, and I came across the phrase, quote, the Earl of Lincoln will give the King's Grace a breakfast, unquote. Yes. And apparently that means he would give him his just desserts. Oh. So maybe giving someone a breakfast is a well-known saying of the time. Probably. I'm going to give him such a breakfast. Well, it's like they're cursing at the time was God's blood or God's eyes or God's teeth. You're... Yeah. What about them? <laughs> yes. Anyway, Richard was threatening to execute Lord Strange. So, yeah, it's not surprising that William was holding back. And Lord Strange is George. He's the eldest son of Thomas Stanley, in case we yeah. haven't made that clear. Eldest and favourite. His favourite, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Well known as the favourite. The four other kids. Yes. Don't do that. If no. you're a parent, don't do that. According to Polydor Virgil, William made his move only when Henry's life was in immediate danger. Quote, bearing quick and timely aid that saved Henry safe and sound from a slaughter. Unquote. Some of the troops William took with, with him were in fact Thomas's. And in the version of the event I read, it said that Thomas stayed put and William charged. But you said that Thomas charged too, didn't you? Uh, Thomas didn't charge until it was 100% sure, but he did, and they surrounded the back of Richard, according to the military right. records. Okay. Military historians. So William presumably went in first, and then Thomas yes. hung back. How they signal each other, I don't know, which is why I think that might be why Thomas waited until after William had made his move. Hmm. I don't know. Because we don't have them actually writing anything to each other and everything was word of mouth, we can't dive in and say, okay, when this signal happens, you come in. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Still, I mean, if they made the arrangements beforehand, they'd have made arrangements for some sort of basic semaphore, I suppose. Yes. To... Something. I will flash a mirror at the sunlight. <laughs> I don't know. These things always take place in miserable weather, though, don't they? Yes. It's thought that at the moment William made his charge with 3,000 men, he either thought Lord Strange had already been executed or he'd heard that he'd been freed. But he surely had to do something, whatever the situation with Lord Strange. If Richard had won the day, what reception would William have got following the battle? Especially since he had been the public relations manager for Henry coming through. <laughs> yeah, and the fact he hadn't moved. Yes. You could hardly have hoped for titles and possessions from Richard for doing nothing to help him in this decisive battle. Exactly. I mean, just saying, well, yeah, but I didn't go over to the enemy. Yeah. It's hardly going to, going to impress Richard. So I don't think William had any choice but to do what he did. Yeah. And it's said that William's charge took Richard by surprise. I'm not sure. It must have always been in Richard's mind. That the two brothers were going to go turn against him, yes. Mm. But then, if they were, why did you let them come? I don't know. That's the mystery. Like, did you not have enough support from everybody else? And I'm thinking the answer is no, because Henry came through the Welsh lands mm. where the Stanleys were very powerful. They were the only ones that could have mustered enough troops to actually stop Henry, but then they didn't. 
Yes. Mm. Was he expecting them to stop? I sure hope he was. Really? Otherwise, he's stupid. Yes. And was he suspicious of the Earl of Northumberland as well? Because the Earl of Northumberland didn't move and just turned around and went home. I don't know. Really hard to tell. I've read several books about Bosworth and I still can't work out the thinking behind behind it all. I got more uh, in the bibliography for Thomas. There are two military historians and it felt a bit more planned on the side of Henry and the Stanleys. Just because of the way they managed to maneuver, it would have been something that because of the geography, they had to have worked out prior to what they were doing. But Do they know, do they know where they were going to end up fighting? Because they don't necessarily choose the ground beforehand. Do they? No, you... but the geography is fairly similar for quite a large area. Mm. You'd spend a day or two moving through it. So you have an idea of the battle's going to happen between here and here. And mm. you can make decisions based on that. So it, it felt much more planned when I was reading it from their point of view. Because they were saying, if I was the knight, this is what I would have done. Yeah. And I agree with this move, but this move was strange. And the only way they really put it together was if Richard believed that because he had George... Lord Strange, that the Stanleys were going to have to be on his side. And that was Richard's fatal flaw, was the belief that his threats would hold them in check, and then it didn't happen that way. That was their opinion. Especially if it got out that Richard had said execute him, and people yes. may have assumed that that would have been carried out. Yes. In which case, you You're screwed. everything. Yeah. yeah. You almost would have wanted to put him up on like this pedestal tower so everybody could see I'm yes. still alive. I'm still alive. Please do yeah. not fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as drama goes, it couldn't have been choreographed better, really, could it? Because Henry had five or six thousand men. Richard may have had as many as 10 or 15,000. Yes. And yet the battle was effectively won by one man, William Stanley. Yes. Yeah, it would have been one of those if you had not known the ending at the end of the battle, you would have been like, what the heck happened? Yes. What, what the hell? We, we were winning, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> so who crowned Henry with Richard's crown that had been found under a thorn bush? Some say Thomas, mm -hmm. some say William, some I, say both. I left it <laughs> out because it was quite argued. Because yes. quite often it just says Lord Stanley, which could be either brother. I think Lord Stanley is usually Thomas, isn't it? Yes, but there are references in a few of the Cheshire roles that refer mm. to William Stanley as Lord Stanley as well. Uh, so I was like, if it's a common usage for both brothers, which one did it? Well, maybe they both held either side and lowered it down. <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> as we've said time and again... Henry must have been frightened by the pretenders because he would have recalled how unlikely his own victory had been. Yes. <laughs> but why did Henry manage to attract more supporters than Perkin or John de la Pole did? Family. Family helped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, because when John de la Pole marched in, he wasn't going to get any help from his family. Nope. Not from, not from his dad, anyway. And his dad still had sway over his younger brothers. Hmm. Was it that Richard, Richard III was more unpopular than Henry VII came to be? Because it was thought by many that Richard had done an unforgivable thing. Yes. 
I mean, we've said before that killing children is just not on. No. Even in in history. Not okay. No. (laughs) Pressing that button. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if Perkin and John de la Pole's incursions had happened later in Henry's reign, once Dudley and Empson's regime had really kicked in, they might have enticed more people to their side. So the rebellions just had bad timing. Perhaps they just did it too early. Mm. William was well rewarded for his help. He was made Lord Chamberlain and Chamberlain of the Exchequer, and he became the richest commoner in England. Yes, but still a commoner, which I was surprised at. Well, so was he. (laughs) He was on the King's Council, along with all the other famous names from this season. You've got Thomas Stanley, Bishop Fox, John Morton, Jasper Tudor, John de Vere, Lord Strange, Giles Dobney, Lord Dynam, I don't know who he is, so Edward Poynings, Reginald Bray, and Sir Richard Edgecombe. And five Tudoriferous points, if you can remember who Sir Richard Edgecombe was. He was a counsellor. <laughs> <laughs> we heard about him in Henry Bodrigan's episode. Bodrigan was chasing him and Edgecombe threw his hat into the river and pretended he'd drown. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. And then after that, he chased Bodrigan off a cliff. Yes. So that was him. Okay. So when he was on the council. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we haven't done all the people. We haven't done Bishop Fox, John Morton. They are in yet. our box. The Reginald Bray. But, we, but yeah, they're, they're pending. Anyway, William Stanley was with all the people that the generally wary king had around him. But maybe he was out on a limb a bit. Most of the others had been with Henry in Brittany. Thomas Stanley hadn't, but he was the king's father-in-law. What was William's role? Right. One too far removed. Yeah, I mean, he could have kept piping up saying, yeah, but you wouldn't be here but for me. (laughs) Yes. I don't know whether he was treated differently. I mean, the the others would have all known each other quite well in in Brittany. Yeah. And on the journey over. I wondered if he did, right from the beginning, feel a bit... Outcast. Yeah, Yeah. Thomas has to be in there because he's married to his mother, Henry's Mm. mother, not Thomas's mother. (laughs) But that would have definitely needed a papal dispensation. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. Yeah, but William William doesn't quite have that family link. No. Or the Mm. proven loyalty to have gone out to Brittany to be with Henry. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't come across any mention of that in any anywhere else, but I just it just occurred to me that he hasn't got the same position Credentials. as anybody else. Yes, yeah. but if he had gone to Brittany, then Henry wouldn't have won. Well, there's a what if, if ever there was one. Yes. After ten years of seemingly, we're jumping a bit now, ten years of seemingly loyal service to Henry, it appears that William betrayed him and sided with Perkin. Did he? And if so... Why did he? Ungratefulness on Henry's part? I don't know. Possibly the clue is in the term the richest commoner in England. (laughs) Because he didn't want to be a commoner. He wanted to be the Earl of Chester. Yes. And Henry had so many reasons to be grateful to him. Surely it wasn't too much to ask for him to become the Earl of Chester. He doesn't even have to be an earl. Make him something a little bit lower. Just give him a title so he's not a commoner anymore. And sure, well, surely it was easy enough for Henry to give him the earldom. I mean, why not? If it made the man happy and kept him on side, 
Why not give him the earldom? Because right now, he, Henry, has the income from those lands. Well, it might be partly that, but it's also that the title was usually given to the king's son. Ah. So it would be a bit like William asking to be the Duke of Cornwall. Oh. And it may have been the bestowing of the title on Prince Arthur that tipped William over the edge into treachery. Yeah, but give him something else then. Yeah, he didn't want anything else. He wanted the Earl of Chester. <laughs> I get it, but... I... We're getting into Edmund de la Pole territory, aren't we? Just, yes. Just, that's all I want. Yes, <laughs> just one thing. <laughs> also, the Stanleys, as we said, had huge swathes of the area along the Welsh border. Would making William Earl of Chester give him too much power? Yes, because they already had a great deal of power up there. You're basically making it a unified block because you've already yeah. proven that the two brothers work well together. Mm. Yeah, and Henry, Henry's modus operandi was to knock back the power of the nobles, not to pile it on. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Edward Hall, writing his history 40 years later, said that William gave Henry 10 years of loyalty, but then he started to, quote, grudge and disdain the king, his high friend, unquote. William knew that without his help, Henry wouldn't have had a hope in hell of winning Bosworth. Yeah. And so surely the king should be showering every title on him in recognition of the fact. Because Edward IV had, had rewarded Warwick and William was just as much a kingmaker as Warwick was. Yes, it's just that Henry did not reward the same way. No. Hmm. No, and that's why we end up with so many disappointed Yorkists. Yes. Yeah, they expected it to continue the way it had under the previous kings, but Henry didn't play that same game. No, he didn't. He changed the rules. Hmm. Well, although I suppose we'll never know, it's interesting to speculate at what point Henry began to suspect William's loyalty. Immediately. <laughs> at the battle. <laughs> Was it a case of, if you can betray one king, what's stopping you betraying another? Hmm. Um, so did he find his loyalty questionable from the start, or did doubts gradually creep in? From... From what I read with the counselorships and the length of time, I see Henry slowly seeing him as a threat. Because the recognizance against William weren't excessive compared to other nobles. Mm. If you go through the exchequer rolls and specifically the financial records of Henry, he doesn't have excessive or even that many recognizances. He actually has fewer recognizances that he paid than Thomas did. All right. I don't... Eh, that could be because Thomas had more land and was an earl. Yeah. <laughs> Which could have been a yeah, slap across true. the face of William in the first place. You're not even yes. asking me for the same amount as my brother. Why? Because I'm not an earl. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of that. <laughs> It's a bit like Julius Caesar saying, that ransom money isn't enough. Yes. <laughs> Demand more. Yeah, so that <laughs> actually could have pirates. cut both ways. Oops. Yes. <laughs> but yes, if if he had been somebody who, like even the, even the abbot of Abingdon paid more in a recognizance than William did. I can't remember the exact figures. I just remember thinking, ouch. <laughs> The habit of Abingdon was charged, and he didn't have as much land as William did. Yeah. William didn't have the titles, but he had the money. He had the money. Definitely had the money. Yeah. Yes. It is odd. Way. Maybe it's because he works so closely with Henry, being Lord Chamberlain. 
Yeah, you have a day-to-day feel of the man, so yeah. you feel more secure, but then things start going sideways. Hmm. Yes. Well, Francis Bacon put it well, as he always does. This is quite a lengthy quote, but I thought it was quite a good one. He does manage to put things in a nutshell. I, I like, like Francis I Bacon. Like him, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> quote, It is true that at Bosworth Field the king was beset, and a manor enclosed roundabout by the troops of King Richard, and in manifest danger of the life when this Stanley was sent by his brother with 3,000 men to his rescue, which he performed so that King Richard was slain upon that place. So as the condition of mortal men is not capable of greater benefit than the king received by the hands of Stanley, being like the benefit of Christ, as once to save and crown. For which service the king gave him great gifts, made him counsellor and chamberlain, and, somewhat contrary to his nature, had winked at the great spoils of Bosworth Field, which came almost wholly to this man's hand, to his infinite enriching. Yet, nevertheless, blown up by the conceit of his merit, he did not think he had received good measure from the king as he had expected, and his ambition was so exorbitant and unbounded, as he became suitor to the king for the earldom of Chester, whichever being an appanage to the Principality of Wales, and using to go to the king's son, his suit did not only end in denial, but in distaste, the Uh king perceiving thereby that his desires were intemperate and his cogitations vast and irregular. You don't want vast and irregular cogitations. No, but negotiation probably would have saved this from going overboard. Maybe. Wherefore, the king began not to brook him well, and as little leaven of new distaste does commonly sour the whole lump of former merits, like that, the king's wit began now to suggest unto his passion that Stanley at Bosworth Field, though he came time enough to save his life, yet he stayed long enough to endanger it. Uh. But yet, having no matter against him, he continued him in his places until his fall, unquote. So it's almost as if Henry's beginning to mull over this and thinking, hang on a minute, yes, all right, <laughs> he did save my life, but he left it a bloody long time. Yes. It's one of these two-in-the-morning moments with Henry, I think. <laughs> I don't I get the feeling that man never got any sleep at all. No. <sighs> yeah. It I I just wonder if Henry had been a little less give him some title, any mm. title, if this would have avoided this problem. I wonder how much Henry's upbringing has to do with the way he approaches these things. Being made a ward of an enemy. He was looked after all right, but then, of course, he had to flee when he was only 14. Yes. All these things, I think, made him so suspicious. Yes. And so insecure. Yeah. That he often approaches these things badly. Yeah. Incidentally, the bit about winking at the great spoils of Bosworth, after William Stanley's arrest, his castle at Holt was searched. And there was an awful lot of looted stuff from Bosworth there. <laughs> it was almost as if Henry had given his benefactor first pickings. Uh. Yeah, a lot of stuff. It occurred to me that the conversation that William and Henry had had in Stafford when Henry was marching towards the battle may partly have been about plans and manoeuvres, but could it also have been about what William could expect should, should Henry they win? win? Yes. Yeah. And what did Henry promise him? Right. Oh, you're thinking of a reneged on promise. Maybe he promised him something and then said... I don't know whether whether William was expecting more, whether Henry promised him more. 
Oh, I don't Whether know. it was a misunderstanding. I don't know. We'll never know because nobody knows what they said. But Right. So that's why William is feeling disgruntled. But why did he go over to Perkins' side? Only option? Well, yeah, possibly. Was it just the, the, the only means of rebelling against a king who William thought wasn't rewarding him enough? Or did he believe that Perkin was the Duke of York? He does fit into the pattern of those who did go over to Perkin. He was a dyed-in-the-wool Yorkist with strong links to Edward IV and his children. Hmm. He'd been brought up a Yorkist, so... Yes. Others who adopted Perkin were also part of Edward IV's inner court, like Edward Brampton, for instance. Right. So maybe all these things sort of... They stay with... They seem to stay with them. Once a Yorkist, always a Yorkist. Yes. And if you've got an opportunity of siding with someone claiming to be a York. Hmm. But did William go over to Perkins' side? Historians are divided about it. Christine Carpenter questions the involvement of William in the Perkins scandal. Because if you remember, all he said was that if Perkins did turn out to be the Duke of York, he wouldn't fight against him. Right. Which, treasonous, but understandable. Yes. And she thinks that William was too great a politician to have got sucked into that. Unless he was thinking that they would do the split again. He would cover mm. Perkin and Thomas would cover Henry. Yeah. I don't know. That seems a bit... Henry was pretty secure. His throne by then, wasn't he? Yes, he was. There's no absolute proof, but there are hints on both sides. Firstly, that William was a traitor. Several members of his household were also arrested in 1494. Among these were Roland, or Rowland, Rowland Buckley, who was arrested for spreading defamatory bills. And his family had long been retainers of William Stanley. Defamatory bills? I'm assuming you're not meaning money. No, just um, a bit like uh, when you put, put posters up on church doors and things saying, Ah, right. We hate Henry. <laughs> <laughs> And Humphrey Savage, Sir Humphrey Savage, sorry, who was linked to William by marriage. He was doing something similar. And the chronicler Molinet, amongst others, claimed that William had sent Perkin money. And we heard in Perkin's episode that William Seal was one of those taken from Perkin and brought back to Henry. So yes. this would have been conclusive since it would have shown William's intention to throw in his lot with Perkin. But from William's side of the research, I didn't find any mention of that at all. Oh, Sometimes it works like that, doesn't it? You you do one person and you hear one thing. And then when you do the other person involved, either you don't hear about it at all or you hear completely the opposite. Yes. It's a frustrating thing, history, isn't it? Yes. Like we've, we've learned more about Henry VII from researching other people than we did researching him. Oh, yeah. Much, much more. Yes. On the other side, that he wasn't a traitor. Well, we have to go back to the Clifford family who I mentioned earlier, lost their land, which was then allocated to William Stanley. We looked at Robert Clifford in depth in Perkins' episode. Clifford had served as Edward IV's esquire for over 10 years. He continued to work in Henry's court and became Chamberlain of Berwick. He served as interpreter on Henry's little jaunt over to France. Okay. But something happened to change him by 1493 when we hear he was having secret conversations with Lord Fitzwalter, another traitor, and apparently William Stanley, 
And that summer, Clifford set off for Flanders, where he became one of Auntie Margaret's little band of malcontents. Henry then sent Moles into Margaret's court to talk Clifford into coming back. He promised him a frank and free pardon. And that did the trick, and Henry sent a couple of men to go and fetch Clifford. He was, quote, thoroughly interrogated, unquote, Ooh. in the king's presence. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means. In the king's presence. Oh! Well, let's hope it's not that. Virgil said that he, quote, excused his own conduct and revealed the whole extent of the conspiracy, unquote. It wasn't me, but these guys. He outed the leaders of the plot, including William Stanley. And this is where Clifford said that Stanley said he wouldn't fight him if he was the Duke of York. But did Clifford have an axe to grind? Because if we heard, William did take over the land that had been Clifford land. So was this revenge? Yes. Did, did Clifford think that with William's fall, he might get his land back? Uh, do you think so? Henry doesn't work that way. <laughs> well, does, does Clifford know that? Because I mean, that's what you'd think, wouldn't it? Oh, if I get rid of, he of William, then, it's, you know, it's obvious. We'll get yeah. our land back. And could the testimony of a man who so obviously had reasons to dislike the Stanley family really be trusted? Or were Clifford and Henry in this together to get rid of William Stanley? Yeah. Francis Bacon dismissed this theory. Quote, There was a common opinion that Sir Robert Clifford, who was now become a state informer, was from the beginning an emissary and spy of the king's, and that he fled over into Flanders with his consent and privity, but that is not probable, both because he never recovered the degree of grace that he had with the king before his going over, and chiefly for that the discovery that he made touching the Lord Chamberlain grew not from anything he learned abroad, for that he knew of well before he went, unquote. So, yeah, he's saying that if this were Clifford's plan, then it backfired because he never got back into Henry's good books as he had been before. Right. And he knew all about William before he went, so... So he, going. too little, too late? Hmm. If he'd been sent out there by Henry, you know, he already knew about William. Yeah. The fall of William Stanley was very useful for Henry, since the Perkin conspiracy, in England at least, fell apart after, after William had gone. As Francis Bacon said, it was, quote, like sand without lime, ill-bound together, unquote. And they were, quote, at a gaze, not knowing who was faithful, unquote. Hmm. So if you can't trust other people you assume are co-conspirators, you're not going to risk saying anything, so it will fall to pieces. Yeah. And all William Stanley's vast lands were forfeited to the crown. Oh. So birthday and Christmas for Henry. Yeah. No longer the richest commoner. No. I mean, you'd think for Henry that would be enough, really, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> he but... might just think, if I got rid of him, I'd get all that. <laughs> so assuming that William was guilty and it wasn't a put-up job, how much did Henry know? He'd had a visitor on December the 19th who, quote, brought the tidings, unquote, and he was paid three pounds. Although it seems likely that the tidings just confirmed what Henry suspected already, several chroniclers say that he was shocked to hear about William Stanley. But then he would say that, wouldn't he? I yes. Think. 
Well, his his genuinely suspicious n- nature would probably say, why are you saying all this mm. first? He's done that before, hasn't he? Saying, yes. Shooting the messenger. Yes. But most believe he had at least an inkling of what was going on be- before and Clifford's testimony just confirmed it. After Christmas 1495, Henry moved to the Tower of London with his court. Francis Bacon said, quote, The place of the Tower was chosen to that end, that if Clifford should accuse any of the great ones, they might, without suspicion or noise, or sending abroad of warrants, be presently attached, the court and prison being within the cincture of one wall, unquote. So there'd be no fuss. The accused would just be moved directly from the royal court side of the Tower to the prison side <laughs> it's across the hall <laughs> yeah they think that yes dinner time coming to dinner or something so, hang on a minute <laughs> this is a cell there are shackles on the wall <laughs> yes and skeletons several commissions of oye and termine is that what we were decided to go with oye and termina oye and terminer you've gone with that well, that's how I've heard others pronounce it. Right, okay. Were issued in January, headed by several noblemen, including Jasper Tudor, John de Vere, and, and this must have been awkward, Thomas Stanley. Oh. William Stanley wasn't the only one arrested, and the trials of the others started in January. Stanley himself was arraigned before the Chief Justice of the King's Bench and Council at Westminster. During his trial, he denied nothing, but he agreed to all the charges. Really? And this may have been a misplaced hope that if he pleaded guilty, Henry would slap him on the wrist and send him on his way. Oops. Or maybe he assumed that being the king's uncle-in-law, he would be immune. Nope. Francis Bacon said, quote, Upon his examination, he denied little of that wherewith he was charged, nor endeavoured much to excuse or extenuate his fault, so that, not very wisely, Thinking to make his offences less by confession, he made it enough for condemnation. It was conceived that he trusted much to his former merits and the interest that his brother had in the king. But those helps were overweighed by diverse things that were made against him Oops. and were predominant in the king's nature and mind, unquote. Ooh. If that was a calculated choice, it was wrong. Horribly, horribly wrong. Or maybe he was guilty and unrepentant. Oh, could be. Yeah. But Henry couldn't be seen as weak. Even though he risks losing the friendship of his father-in-law, he decided not to intervene in William's trial. So if, if William had been trying his luck, he must have been kicking himself in, in, in prison. Oh, gosh. Saying, no, sorry, I made a mistake. I'm not, I'm not guilty. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine knowing that that was coming? Oh. Well, a search of William Stanley's property in Holt Castle was enough to condemn him. Not only was it found to be full of the spoils of Bosworth, but there was also a gold necklace that had been given to, given to him by Edward IV. And this was meant to be a sign of divided loyalties. But if someone gives you something, it would take a lot for you to melt it down or get rid of it, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, you might not put it on show, but you'd shove it in a cupboard somewhere. Yeah. Mind you, he also had 40,000 marks in ready cash. Oh, Oh, which is a lot. That's a yeah. That's enough to pay off an army. Uh oh. Yes, should you want an army for any reason? Holt Castle, incidentally, had a checkered career because three of its stewards were executed. 
Henry Stafford, the Duke of Buckingham, executed for treason. William Stanley, executed for treason. And William Brereton was executed after being accused of having an affair with Anne Boleyn. <laughs> so, yes, it's a bit, a, bit, a bit of a dud when you realise, oh, Holt Castle. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give that one a miss. Yeah, you want me to marry into that? No, I'm not marrying into that family. I couldn't find a transcript of the trial, so I don't know the precise nature of the accusations. And it did say before, well, one of the historians said accusations. But I did wonder whether Henry would have been so quick to execute if the atmosphere in the court hadn't been so rife with suspicion and fear. Because we know that Perkin had quite an effect on Henry's mental health. So Henry discovering that someone as close to him as the Lord Chamberlain wasn't squeaky clean. Yeah, that would be you terrifying. Know, had cause to panic. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. he's presumably arranging your food to be brought in. Yes. Seeing which people would have access to you. Yes. Had the keys mm. to the house. Yes. He's up close and personal. So if an assassination was called for, who better to do it? Yeah. And also, William's land stretched across the Welsh marches, and that's how Henry had got in. So what was to stop other rebels doing likewise as they, if they were allowed through, like Henry had been? Yeah. Because you've got Fitz, Fitzwalter on one side, giving he could give rebels access to East Anglia. William could give them access to the West, so England risked becoming a bit of a leaky vessel. Yes. This may not have been just paranoia on the part of the king. William Stanley was in charge of hiring and firing household staff, as we've said. Dobney was responsible for hiring the yeoman of the guard, Henry's personal bodyguard, and we heard in Sir Richard Nanfan's testimony mm -hmm. that there were doubts about Dob Dobney. Mm-hmm. So was Henry actually safe? No. Doesn't sound like it from all well, of this. Well, if he was, would his son have been, as we looked at before? Oh, yeah. And in fact, Lord Dobney was given the role of Lord Chamberlain once William Stanley had been executed. So, out of the fire? Uh, can <laughs> I? Sure. Can I decline respectfully? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Following the fall of Stanley, Henry changed how the court was run. The Yorkist monarchs had had quite an informal court with reasonably easy access to the king, and Henry had continued that policy. But now he clamped down, limiting access to the king. And also to Prince Henry, but that might have just been to keep him away from Ferdinand of Aragon. <laughs> Francis Bacon felt that this was counterproductive. He said, quote, Men durst scarce commune or talk with one another, but there was general diffidence everywhere, which made the king rather more absolute than more safe. Unquote. Right. William Stanley was executed at 11 o'clock in the morning on the 16th of February, 1495. Mm. So as usual with these sort of episodes, there's more questions than answers. Yes. Whose side was he really on in Bosworth? Was he just holding back until he saw who, which was the winning side or was he committed to Henry? Why wasn't William happy with all he had? He was the richest commoner in England. Yes. Was William guilty of any of the charges or was it all made up by Clifford to ingratiate himself with the king and get revenge for his lost lands? Was it all made up by Clifford and Henry to bring down the man who Henry thought was getting too powerful? If he was guilty of the accusations, did he really believe Perkin was the Duke of York? Hmm. And most interestingly, why did Henry pay for William Stanley's funeral? 
The only other example of that we've come across is that he paid for Edwin Earl of Warwick's funeral. And we speculated that... He felt guilty. It felt guilty because he knew that Edward hadn't done anything. But William had confessed. Yes. So why did he pay for his funeral? I don't know. Unless that entirely is to show respect for his father-in-law. Yeah. Yes, possibly. I mean, that is awkward. He'd have the money to pay for it because he just got <laughs> William's money. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, that was the inconclusive light. Well, it was concluded, I suppose, of William Stanley. Wow. Are we going to rate him? We're going to rate him. And Fibberly. William and Thomas, we, we reckon, must have got together to plan their strategy throughout the War of the Roses and the Battle of Bosworth. They had to. Without full cooperation of both of them, none of that would have been successful. No. None of it. So uh, for so. me, it's a 10. Yeah, we gave Thomas a 10, so I don't see why we shouldn't give William a 10. Agreed. Anti-peristasis. He did well under Edward, a bit of a blip under Richard, mm -hmm. and then he did well under Henry. We could say he rose, but he didn't rise to the point he wanted to rise to. Not even close. We've got the same problem as Edmund de la Pole. Yeah, you can rise, but he wanted to be Earl of Chester. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't get what he wanted. And then he died. And then he died a traitor's death, so... Yeah, I don't think... Even though he was Lord Chamberlain... Yeah. I think I'm going I'm to go even down the middle, I think, because, yeah, he did very well for himself, but not as well as he'd liked, and it all went a little pear-shaped at the end. See, and I want to give him a three because he died. Hmm. Okay. Like he did rise, but he ultimately fell and he fell, fell hard. He did plummet. He did plummet. Yeah. And it'd be awful to think that he plummeted because he thought, oh, I'll say I'm guilty because I'm going to get off anyway. Yeah. I'll give him a four. Four. It's a seven for antiperistasis. Martyrdom. Well, he died... For his beliefs. Yes, he did. If he was guilty of treason, that is. Yes. But his reasons for committing the treason don't seem very laudable. He no. wanted more stuff. Yes, it's not really dying for a belief. So, yes. He did die for his beliefs. Yes, but I'm, I'm more... I'm on the lower end of the scale because the belief was greed. Yes. And how much was it belief and how much was it expedience mm. to get what he wanted? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty low. I'm going to go with a four again because he did ultimately die for what he was trying to accomplish. But it wasn't really a belief death. It wasn't for morals or... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going for three this time, so we swapped places. Okay. Seven for martyrdom. BT. Did he have anything to leave? Well, no, he left nothing in the end because it was all taken away from him. We do know him. Most people know about the Stanleys. Yes, he should get less than Thomas Stanley because Thomas had something to leave. Yeah. At his death, whereas William had nothing to leave. 
Yes. Um, it all having gone to Henry. But we know him. What do we yeah. give Thomas? Can you remember? Seven. Yeah, I might go with a five, I think, for... I was thinking a five as well, right yeah. down the middle, because we... If you talk about the Battle of Bosworth, you know about the Stanleys. Yes. Especially the yeah. crowning, and we don't know which Stanley did it, but still. No, that's true. Yeah. So ten. Ten for Batim. Yeah. Flaunt a bleeding flaunt. Ooh, I like this. Yes, quite an interesting one. He's in full armor. Yeah. Very much so. Very fancy armor too. Yeah. It's embossed. I'm not sure about that rough. That rough looks completely out of time. It looks to like me. Elizabethan. It does. Actually, it looks very Elizabethan. And that ostrich feather in his cap. Have we got the same thing as that would indicate Edmund? an earl? It so would, wouldn't it? It would and him. He's, not, he's definitely not an earl. No, but he's stating he is. Do we know when this was done, though? Because that no, looks I couldn't too... find out. It's the one on Wikipedia. Um, I thought. <laughs> I thought I'd find a much better one, and I realised no, it's a it's a later William Stanley. It's the Elizabethan one. He looks like his brother, but if this is a later William Stanley, it's very well painted. The armour is beautifully painted. Yes. Oh, it's black and white. We haven't got a colour colour thing. Um, and over his shoulder is either a painting or a window, and through it you can see tents. So I'm wondering if that's Bosworth or Law Heath or it looks like some battleground, doesn't it? Yes. Hmm. And he's it's... got his sword drawn, which shows a willingness to fight, which he certainly did. Yeah. Actually, he's got his sword drawn, but he's 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 got another one in his scabbard. That's sword. not a sword. This can't be him. That's a gun. It's a gun. I've got a zoomed-in version of it. It's gigantic. That is most definitely a barrel. So this can't be him. So this is the later William Stanley as well. Yeah. Oh, well. Well done, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Zero, zero, zero. It's beautifully done, though. It is. And when we come to do the later William Stanley, if indeed we do, we'll come to look at to see it again. But it would be a long time off if it's Elizabethan. So I'm not wondering. I wonder what that is behind him. Anyway, we'll find that out in good time. Yeah, somebody very much misidentified that one. Yeah, well, me for one. Well, yeah, but you're looking at a smaller screen. I've got a gigantic screen here. Hmm. I'm looking at my tablet. Yeah. Oh well, there we go. Perhaps, perhaps he was an earl. We'll find out <laughs> in several years' time. So I reckon we, we've got forty-four. Yes, 44. Thomas got 58. Oh. Oh, William. Oh, uh, yeah. You're still following your brother. You got a question to ask then. Are they too delicious or what? I want to say yes. Oh, right. I like oh. the dynamic duo. I like that they cooperated in such a way that they got away with so much and it wasn't until the oh. very end that it fell apart i really like the story i like the, the fact that the fact that they've stuck together yeah but i felt that he he blew it <laughs> really yeah shall we flip a coin okay shall i get the groat out yes get the groat out 
I mean, usually we feel quite, um, uh, what's, what's the word, protective of the ones that we've done. Yes. Uh, this is a, oh, this is, this is a Henry VII. Okay. Heads or tails? Heads. Since he was beheaded. Oh, sorry. It was tails. It was tails. <laughs> so it's a no. It's a Aww. no, I'm afraid. Sorry. Oh, oh William, now. you fail at everything. <laughs> and you did so well up until the very end. Yes. Oh. I just, yes. When you were talking about Thomas, I thought, yes, this is a definite Tudelicious. But when yeah. I was researching him, I was thinking, yeah, up to a point. And then I felt that he just became greedy. Oh, outdone by your brother all the way to the end. And even your picture's not you. Yes. <laughs> True. So, sorry, William. Oh, but now we get to pull your next one. Yep. Okay. Okay, who is it? Viscount Francis Lovell. Oh, I get all the traitors. <laughs> Well, you had Edmund de la Pole, but I've had all the others. Yeah, very true. All right. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm quite happy with him. I don't know a lot about him, but... Um, Neither do I. We shall find out. Yeah. Okay. All right, okay. Then. Get on with that, then. Yes. Keep me off the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. That is the end of our episode on William Stanley. We hope you've enjoyed it and will join us for the next episode on Elizabeth Tilney. Oh, yeah. 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 Thank you for listening. You can find details of the podcast and contact us on... In the meantime, we came into the world like brother and brother, and now let's go hand in hand, not one before another. That didn't ring true. <laughs> For he that shed his blood with me today shall be my brother. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm the last one in, all the others are here I mutter my excuses Thomas is there, it's alright for him He knows he has his uses Morton and Fox, they share a joke And glance in my direction Devere starts to giggle and bray to snort And I feel a certain dejection All the others have tales of adventures in France 
I'm feeling quite left out now They reminisce of the time they marched through Wales I'm beginning to have my doubts now Under 